to do something tonight, and so he's brought to you, so we're going to have some fun. I love to have fun. Father, I just thank you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you tonight that you would lead and guide and direct by your Holy Spirit, that you would open the hearts of your saints. Father, that you prepare them, get them ready for an outpouring of your Spirit. You're getting ready to do something new, something wonderful in their hearts, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, when I shared the message this morning, it's the, the base of the message is called Listen and Live. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was, uh, I was meeting with a, uh, a leader. Actually, it was a businessman, a leader, or CEO of a company, because that's what I do besides ministry, is I meet with executives of companies and politicians. And for six years, I consulted in Congress in Washington with a bunch of different leaders. Didn't really help, but anyway. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to try. You can't give up. You know, hearing they cannot hear, seeing they cannot see. And I was sitting down talking to this executive, very wealthy man, very well endowed, very well groomed. On the outside looks like the model of perfection. Fantastic. Could write out a check and just buy a Porsche if you wanted it, just like that. But there was something inside that was not there. No matter how much I tried to say to him, hey, listen, the values of life, what's more important is not the balance in your checking account. What's more important is what God has in your life for you. And after discussing and speaking for a couple of hours, I just heard the Spirit of the Lord say to me, you're dealing with a man that has a deaf and dumb spirit. <laughs> oh, thank you. Well, that's four hours into the meeting. You tell me this now. Thank you. So, but you know, and I thought about it because I have such compassion for people. Because people inherently really aren't bad. People really want to do the right thing. It's just the unfortunate thing. People sometimes are misinformed or miseducated or misguided. And so sitting there with this man talking, I suddenly said to him, I said, you know, as much as I've been saying anything, what have you really heard from me today? And you know what? He couldn't tell me. I was astounded. An educated man couldn't tell me what I'd shared with him. So I said, don't you think... That is strange. Then I've sat with you for four hours and I've gone through and I've gone through a list of things and I even drew diagrams and, and I put all these pictures in there to make it look graphic. <laughs> he couldn't tell me the moral of what I was speaking about. I said, okay, I said, I wanted to just say something to you. And I said, I, I want to be kind and I want to be honoring you in the process. I want to tell you that you have a deaf and dumb spirit. He said, well, that's not very encouraging. I said, let me ask your wife how many times she talks to you and how many times you listen to her. He says, don't even go there. I said, because I'm sure that she'll tell me that you never listen to her, no matter what she says. I said, do you understand that you've, you've isolated yourself, you've brought yourself into a place that you can't receive, you can't hear? I'm sure that if your CPA of your company came to you and said to you, Blah, 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 blah. That's what you'd hear. You wouldn't hear what he's trying to say to you. I want to share something with you if I can. You go me the book of Romans. Chapter 1. It's kind of profound because I want to share this a little bit because I really want to encourage you to hear what the Spirit is saying. Romans chapter 1. 
Genesis, Exodus, Romans. <laughs> I know. Somewhere around there. Romans chapter 1, verse uh, 28. And they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. And God gave them over to a depraved mind to do things which are not proper. Being filled with all unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice. They are gossipers, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, without understanding, untrustworthy, unloving, unmerciful. And all, and all they, they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death. They not only do the same, but they also give hearty approval to those who practice them. So what I'm trying to say, that word about acknowledging God, that word in the Greek is called epignosis. If you do not acknowledge God as the creator, as the author and the finisher of your faith, as the focus and the focal point of your life, it says that God hands you over to a depraved mind. It's kind of funny, isn't it? You can, be, you can be a Christian in church, and you can love the Lord, but if you do not acknowledge the principles and the rules and the things that God has laid down, the laws of life and the spirit of liberty, you basically become handed over to a reprobate mind. Now, there's seven steps of mind degeneration. You see, the greatest problem is people don't realize the battle is in the mind. The enemy influences the mind. How do, I teach a lot of the stuff uh, when I do seminars. 64% of all communication is nonverbal. Did you know that? You don't need to tell a person what you're thinking. Sometimes people can see it. Because communication is nonverbal. Because your whole mind and everything is set in a way. And you can communicate things without even saying something. Profound, hey? So it's amazing for me when I travel and go around to the churches in different places. Is I don't look at body language and what people are doing. Because I'm not really interested. I want to hear, if I hear anything going in, if I hear virtue. You know, remember the woman was pressing against Jesus and he said, virtue passed from me. When you go around people that acknowledge God, people that love God, want to serve him, you can stand and you can say, Baba, black sheep. And they'll say, hallelujah. Because there's, and I'm not be funny, there's something there that it just, comes alive in them. You can say whatever it is you need to say. They are drawing from you. There's, there's like this principle of virtue that passes from them. And it's kind of profound because you can meet people in the church and they can sing the same old songs and they, you change the songs and they can't sing anymore. You change the way they do worship, they can't worship anymore. You can sit in their chair in church, they are frustrated because they're not really there to acknowledge God. They're there because this is what they've been trained. And so we look at people today. The biggest battle that I find with people is the mind. Now, let me, can I just give you a free lesson? Just, just encourage you. When Eve stood in front of the tree in the garden, the enemy used a process called beguiling, which is to supplant the truth with a lie. And the way he did it, he used God's words. He said, did God say that you shouldn't eat from these trees? Because why would you become like God? 
And the truth was, she was already like God, but the, what the enemy did, he supplanted. He said, well, if you taste the truth, then you'll know like God. And you know what? You and I, in relationship with Christ, we can know the things that God knows. We can see the things that God sees. We can understand those things. If we acknowledge him, God will give the kingdom to you if you worship him. Am I right or wrong? You don't seem like you're very encouraged by what I'm saying. But we can have a plethora of different people sitting in one place. We can all be singing the same song. And one person will get a revelation and the other person will say, Huh? What happened? It's because of the condition of the heart. And this businessman that I said, he wasn't a bad person. He wasn't, he wasn't a, a wicked man. He was just blind. He just couldn't see. And why he couldn't see is because he couldn't acknowledge the fact that what he had was given to him by God. It's kind of funny, eh? The only time you acknowledge it is when God takes it away. A lot of people are in that process right now where God is extruding things away from them. And that's why you see a lot of people are very insecure at the moment because of, oh, my retirement. Where's their retirement in the Bible? I understand. We, you know, you need to be wise and make investments and all that. But our focus is on the wrong things. And let me tell you, if your focus is on the right things, and, and specifically the right things for you is what God reveals to you, something God speaks to you about, Something he reveals to you personally. As for me in my house, I made a decision 10 years ago. I told you about it this morning. It was before 9-11. I sold all my shares. I mean, I had a couple of hundred thousand dollars worth of shares. I sold them while they were peaking, and the next day they were crashed. And I got out of it. And I felt in my spirit not to put my money into that system again. And I said to God, where do you want me to invest my money? And God said, I want you to invest your money in Africa. Uh, what, you want me to buy a business? No, I want you to sow to the poor. Now, everything inside of me said, well, what kind of a return am I going to get on that? <laughs> it's like, you know, we're looking for a yield over here, you know. And a friend of mine, it was kind of amazing because that money was in the bank for about a week. And a friend of mine from Africa called me and said, man, he said, I, the Lord has spoken to me and he's told me that I'm to go out and I'm to get all the children that have been left behind by parents who died of AIDS, I'm to take them into my house and I'm to educate them and I'm to teach them the things of God and I'm to love them as a father. And he said, I've got 30. <laughs> I said, dude, how are you doing that? He said, man, that's tight. He said, but you know what? He said, we are managing with rice and beans to make it. He said, but I'm really praying and asking God for provision to be made. And immediately the Spirit of God said to me, there's your opportunity to invest. And so I did. I sent him the money. Now, don't forget, when you send $130,000 from America to South Africa, it's by 10, so it's 1.3 million. He was able to buy a place to put rooms. He has now 200 young children that were all huffing glue on the streets. And that they were all out. And the only thing for them to do was crime and prostitution. And then I sat down and I, I said, okay, let's put together a plan of what you want to do. And I went to Dell Computers and I spoke to one of the executives. And I said, I have an opportunity in Africa for you to invest in. Because I, I felt that I heard from God. 
I felt that I was acknowledging something that God was saying. It wasn't about me. It was about something that I believe was really close to God's heart. And I said to the one executive, I said, I would like to put together a group of computers with training programs on to teach these kids, to educate them, to train them, to equip them. Can you help me? Ham, ha, ham, ha, ham. About a month later, they came back to me. They gave me 200 computers, laptops, brand new. Networks, printers, shipped it to Africa for free to this man's place. Got somebody to go and set it up for them, paid for it, everything. Now they have education systems. They can read. They can learn foreign languages. They have the internet. And, and I'm his only support in the whole world. And every time somebody else has tried to support him, they've let him down. And I'll go back to this point. It's because men's hearts sometimes are closed off to acknowledging what God wants to do. Because we have a paradigm in our mind, a thought in our mind, that God can only bless through this way. Or God can only do it this way. See, God doesn't really need people's money. He just wants people's obedience. And so the wonderful thing is I'm starting to see, by acknowledging God, there's openings coming in in the spirit realm, openings coming, opportunities arising. My wife and I, we live a meager lifestyle. A couple of months ago, I I just had my heart to pray. There was a a young girl that had a baby around our neighborhood, and she didn't have anybody to take care of her, and she needed a vehicle. And I don't have money to buy a vehicle. So I said, God, is there someone that can give us a vehicle? And so what happened is, it wasn't even two or three days later, a guy emailed me and says, Hey, do you know somebody that needs a vehicle? (laughs) Yeah. See, when you start, if you can understand what I'm talking, when you start acknowledging God, God starts speaking to you. And yes, it's a step of faith. You take a step of faith to do things. It's, well, I've already got the car. Yeah, God, I'm going to. You have nothing. When you step out the boat, there's nothing. And then the opportunity comes. And as you start acknowledging God, and what breaks my heart, for you to say with this businessman, he is a billionaire. This man could feed Fort Worth. And the man cannot see. Because you know why? He's shut off to the things of God. And I sometimes wonder why in the church we are battling such poverty. Not just in our finances, but in our mentality. Why people are not coming to break the doors down of the church to find something. Why Islam is is evangelizing America an average of 6% a year. Because the church... It's connected itself to something else and taken itself away from the epignosis, the wisdom that is God. And they've put themselves in some form of religious thing that says, this is how we do it. Whereas Islam is growing and they are evangelizing people. And you know how they're doing it? They're finding the widows. They're finding the orphans. They're finding the poor young men, the poor young women. They're finding the men in jail. And they're evangelizing them with a gospel of hatred. Because you know why? Because the church has developed a deaf and dumb spirit. With all due respect, we have. We have got to a place where we're not hearing what God is saying. We've denied the power of God. If I read these things to you, I know it's, look, please don't get me wrong. I'm not yet to throw an indictment at you. I'm just, I'm trying to encourage you to start acknowledging God in your life. Even in the small things. Even in the small things. Man, it is profound. When you just acknowledge God in the small things. Let me just go through this again. Just to show you. 
now, now it makes more sense. They did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer. God gave them over to depraved mind to do things which are not proper. Now, for years, that's always been sort of communicated as sexual things. To me, that's not even important. To me, what's more important is this. Being filled with unrighteousness, wickedness, greed, evil, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, malice, gossips. That's amazing. Slanderers, haters of God, insolent, arrogant, boastful. Inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. That's the result of being closed off to God. You know, I was, and I don't want to share this. I want to make this real. I don't want to make this just religion. I want to make this real to you. I was ministering in a church a couple of months back. And a lady came to me and she said to me, pray for my son. He's rebelled against God. (coughs) All right. Who do you think I am? Lady. I said to and immediately with the way she did it, I mean, it just flew up into my face. I thought to myself, how dare you? And the Spirit of the Lord gave me a word for her. I said, let me tell you why your son has rebelled against God. This is why it's not comfortable to have a prophet around you. <laughs> your son has rebelled against God because of your rebellion against authority. Because of the way you would treat a person like me, and you would tell me that I, am, I need to pray for your son. I said, Lady, you need to fall on your face and you need to repent for the way you've spoken against authority and leadership and government in front of your son. That you've given your son a total disrespect for authority. That's why your son's rebelling. Not because God's forgotten him. Your son's rebelling because you trained him how to rebel. <laughs> that didn't get an offering from him, I'm sure. But anyway, look, it's him. <laughs> <laughs> That's for free. It's immaterial. The problem is just by the mannerism in which she approached me. Look, I'm nobody. I'm nobody. But listen, man. You know, when you come to somebody and you ask somebody for a favor, hey, do this. Are you going to be available to do it? No, of course not. But if I say, Would you, could you help me? You'd be more open to say, yeah, man, for sure. But the attitude was, well, you're the prophet of God. You speak something. Do something. No, dude, I'm not into that. I'm only into what God tells me to do. I'm not going to do what you tell me. The reason why your life is where it is is because you're deaf and you're dumb. And you don't hear. You've not acknowledged God. If you start acknowledging God and you start acknowledging God to your son, I said, let me tell you, just for you a second. I said, your son's not a bad boy. Your son's only behaving the way you've trained him to behave. Your son would so much like to get out of this lifestyle. You've been the one that's limiting him and hindering him. Because this is what you tell him. You're going to go to hell. Isn't that what you said to him? She said, yeah, I tell him that all the time. I said, stop. Because the life and death in the power of tongue, you are commissioning your son on a pathway to hell and it's coming out of your mouth. Because you have an issue. I said, if you want to see your son's life turn and change, the Bible says love covers, love conquers, love overcomes. And the problem is you can't love your son because you don't love yourself. You need to first ask God to show you how to forgive and how you love yourself because you're imprisoned. You see, we need as a church, we need to start becoming real and start acknowledging the presence of God and the things of God. You know, you can put flyers out and evangelize a city and you can do all you want to, but if you are not walking in love, you're not going to retain what God's wanting, wanting to do. You're not going to retain it in your family. You're not going to retain your children. You're not going to retain it 
in your business. It all comes on the way that you acknowledge God. You know, can I tell you another story? Because I think Jesus was a storyteller. A couple of years back, we, my wife and I, we've been in a 16-year immigration process. We didn't swim across the Rio Grande River. We didn't take your jobs. We paid $50,000 for our immigration process in a space of 17 years. We became citizens last year. It was a difficult task. Five years ago, immigration officials called me in and said, uh, we have a problem with the immigration. <coughs> Why? So the day I go down to immigration, I come into this room, and this lady meets me, and she's a violent, hostile, aggressive, arrogant, hateful, and she obviously has some real sexual problems in her life. Because she just smelt like sulfur. <laughs> I'm being honest. And she sits me down. She says, sit down. And I sit down and I say, oh, Lord, Jesus, what is this? I can see something getting ready to hit the fan right now. <laughs> because the concept was there was something illegal in the immigration process that what did. And the only result of that is deportation. And I said, God, you've called me. You know that I've done everything. Here's my hands. Clean and I've done nothing illegal. But you know, sometimes God tests you in some things. He allows something to come across your pathway to see what's inside you. And I remember going in that day, and I'm, I'm, I am great with confrontation. I have no problem with confrontation. I think as Christians, we need to know how to confront things. We need to know how to deal with each other in love. We need to know how to deal with things. Most Christians shirk away and run away from confrontation. But you can confront people in a likable manner, in a calm manner, and in a spiritual manner. And I sat there, and I remember as I sat down, I said, Lord, if you don't help me today, it's done. All that beautiful dream I spoke about this morning, the vision, the prophetic word God gave me, it's hasta mañana, it's finished. And she said, I want to ask you, how did you change your visa when you came to America from a business visa to a religious visa? Now, this person sitting in front of me was so far from spiritual. You didn't need the gift of discernment to see it. You know, sometimes you can see it on people. You know what I mean? Her outward appearance, the hostility, everything that was about her, I thought, oh, Lord, how am I going to explain to this woman that this was the process? I said, God, you've got to give me something. And God dropped the name in my heart. And then I knew. Then I knew I was on track. I knew that God was doing something here, but God was going to do something here as well. You see, God sometimes puts things in your pathway to test your heart to see what's in you. So you can see it yourself. Plus, in the process, He wants you to do something here. It's more about doing something here than it is about here. So I recognized the minute the Lord dropped the name in my heart, I knew, okay, God, I'm on to some. I'm like a bloodhound. Now I'm ready. Bring it. And I said, uh, who is Raul? She said, my brother. I said, Raul's in a hospital in Chihuahua, Mexico, dying of AIDS right now. The same man that raped him raped you. And so I just continued. I didn't shut up. I kept on talking. And as I talked, I mean, I just saw her eyes go red. I saw the tears well up in her face. I saw her drop down to her knees, and I saw her start weeping. And I said, then the man that did this to you, Today I break you free from the anger, the hatred, the resentment. 
and the murder that's been upon your life concerning these things. And I grabbed her hand. I started to pray for her. And she just went down the back of the table. And it was what I call a snot fest. The floodgates. It's not spiritual. That's the only way I can explain it. It was like. And so I just waited. And I just stood and waited and just left it. And eventually she rubbed herself off the floor and got up back onto her side rub. And she said to me, I understand. <laughs> and she took the stump out and she said, approved. Now, I know that, I know that depending on the way I manifest, if I got angry, because you know what? When you get treated some, sometime hostilely by an authority situation, when you get treated unjustly by something, it just, it just sort of rises up an anger inside of you. Am I right or wrong, or is that just me? You know, when a cop pulls you over and he rides through a red light and you've gone through a yellow light and he, t- and he rides up for going through a red light, you know, it's just kind of an injustice there. But I, I was able to overcome the injustice and say, hey, God, there's something bigger here. And in the process, God got me to minister to that woman because I spent about an hour with her afterwards praying with her. And she confessed to me a, a homosexual lifestyle. She confessed to me tremendous drug usage. She confessed to me the, the fact that she hated her family. She confessed all those things. And as she confessed, I knew that God was breaking a spirit of murder over her life and a spirit of death over her brother's life and releasing them from this, this curse. But it took something here for that to happen. It took something on my behalf. It took an acknowledgement of God. Because I said to God, you know what? If I'm going to be deported, I'm going to go out with a bang. I'm going to, I'm, somebody's going to feel it. Somebody's going to feel the impact of it. I'm going, to, I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to leave it out on the field. This is the end game right here. I don't care because it's up to you. You said it. It's up to you. If I'm going to have this down here, it's up to you to help me accomplish this. And I said, God, I acknowledge the fact that you've called me to be a healer and a restorer. And today, no matter what this person looks like in front of me, I'm going to step out. I'm going to restore. I'm going to heal. And I'm going to speak for you. And I tell you what, that woman's life, when I walked out there, she was a different person. The thing that I saw on her when I walked in wasn't there anymore. What I want to say to you people is this. It doesn't take a major miracle. It just takes acknowledging God. Acknowledging Him in your life, in your abilities, in your resources, or even in your lack of resources. If God says something to you, and He puts something on your heart to do, and you don't have the resources to do it, He is obligated to fill the gap. See, we, we just need to teach straightforward, simple faith. See, when I came to America, I didn't come to America for the American dream to make money. I was making big money back home. I came because I was so passionate about the call that God put on my life, about what God wanted me to do. I was so passionate. I studied American history. I went and researched all your leaders. I went and researched your political system, how it works. I went and researched everything about Congress. I researched. I went to the Library of Congress. I studied. I read. I asked God to show me what it is I need to know. How does law work here? How do bills get written? How do bills go forward for approval? How do things take place? How is an amendment written? I studied that all. I studied your history from the founding day. I've studied every single man's name of your founding fathers. 
I studied all the backgrounds. I went to the places that they lived. Why? Because God called me to America to be a prophet, not a religious freak, to be a prophet who would speak. And I know God has called me to speak to the changing position in this nation, to speak to leaders and rulers. God opened the door for me to meet Justice Rehnquist. I spent six months with him before he died. Prayed with him, led him out of darkness into the light. Sat down with him, discussed the law with him. Spoke to the man when he first got prostate cancer. Prayed for him. Admiral Zumwalt. I don't know if you know him, but he was the man involved with Vietnam. He was the man that signed the order to release Agent Orange. I met with him in the military hospital in Bethesda. Prayed with him. He said, he said, I need to confess something to you. I said, what? He said, I was the man who signed the orders for Agent Orange that killed a lot of American soldiers. He said, my son included. He said, I cannot go face God with that on my slate. I said, you're forgiven. He said, how can you forgive me? I said, the Bible says that we have the power to forgive. And because you've confessed that to me, I can tell you all I can say is you're, you're forgiven, you're cleansed. You know why? Because God has a plan for this nation. God has a plan for every man and every woman. And let me tell you, religion is not going to accomplish the plan. The only way you're going to accomplish the plan is acknowledging God. Acknowledging His work in your life. Acknowledging the power. Acknowledging that He has given you the ability to hear Him. I didn't learn all this stuff by reading or studying. When I heard I was a prophet, is it okay if I talk to you for a couple of minutes? I don't want to bore you. If I'm boring, just tell me. I'll, sh- I'll keep quiet. We can put it on the Cowboys game. <laughs> when I... <laughs> They may need a help right now. We need to be praying for them. We never know. It didn't look too good at half time. It kind of looked like it was going south. But anyway, when I heard, when God prophesied of me and told me that I was a prophet, I didn't know what that was. I never knew what that was. But I remember when I was a little boy, I always had a pre-knowledge of things. I always had a pre-knowledge. I always, always knew things were happening and I, knew what ha- and I knew when they happened. It was just like they automatic. And I was traveling. I used to be involved in pharmaceuticals. I remember I was traveling quite a lot. And I said to God one day, I said, God, if you have really called me to be a prophet, you need to show me what that means. And I was driving between uh, a city called um, uh, Springbok and uh, Vintuk. And it was desert. I mean, just desert. And halfway in the middle of this is a 400-mile drive. Halfway in the middle is a big thing called a baobab tree. A baobab tree is the biggest kind of tree in the world. The diameter of the, the tree itself is about 120 feet. And it stands there like this. And the road runs through the middle of the baobab tree. It is the only shade in that 400-mile drive. And I used to stop inside that baobab tree. And I used to sit down and eat my lunch there. And I was sitting down and eat my lunch. I said, God, if you called me to be a prophet and you called me to speak your word. I don't see that. I don't see that in the church. I don't know what that's about. But I want to know that it's real. And the Lord said to me, draw a square. And I drew a square, and he says, speak to the square. <laughs> Fortunately, there weren't people around because I felt like quite an idiot. What do you want me to say to the square? I, and this is stupid. I know it really is stupid. But you know, sometimes God will allow you to do stupid things to confound the wise. And so I drew the square in the desert sand. I said, in Jesus' name, I command life to come to the square. Come on. And it didn't happen. I thought, Psh, it's ridiculous. So I left. I got in my car and I drove. 
came back a month later, stopped in that same place to have my lunch. And in that square was tall white pampas grass, this tall. I thought to myself, this is weird, man. Because desert sand, nothing grows in desert sand. Because it doesn't retain water. So I grabbed the stuff and I pulled it up by the roots. And there's black, black, black roots to it. Packed it in plastic, put it back in my car. I had a friend who was a botanist at the University of Cape Town. Because you know what? Don't do a miracle, God. Let me make sure that this is really a miracle. Because you know, we, we've got to see. You know, don't be deceived. You've got to test the spirits. I take this plant down to my friend at the botanist lab. And he, he says, where did you get this? I said, uh, I got it up in Kuruman. He said, nah. He said, this is from the Nile. Dude, we are 3,000 miles away from the Nile River here. He says, this only grows at the Nile. I said, how do you know? He said, and he named the name of the grass. And he said, you see that black sand, the black roots? He said, yes. He said, that only grows next to the Nile. I said, well, I got it up here. He said, no, impossible. I said, hey, get in the car. I'll take it and show you. And that day I realized, God, you can do anything if your people believed. If we would get rid of the deaf and dumb spirit and we would acknowledge God, you could restore your relationships. You could restore your marriages. You could recover your businesses. You could change the way the government works. You could change the way the culture thinks if you would only acknowledge God. You see, America says on a dollar bill, in God we trust, but they don't trust in God. We say these things. But we don't really mean them. Because if you look at one side of the culture, there's tremendous greed. And the other side of the culture, there's tremendous depravity. There should be some form of middle ground. If the kingdom was working like it should be working, we should see more of a balance. You know the funny thing about a little country called Fiji? The president in Fiji had a revelation and an encounter with God. And he stood up and he spoke to his people. And he committed Fiji as a nation to be a nation unto God. And they pray every day. And guess what? Suddenly their imports or the exports of fruit tripled. Suddenly exports of nuts tripled. Their fishing industry tripled. Their rugby team last month won the seven-a-side world rugby match, world championship. They came home as the plane landed at the airport. The whole nation, island of Savu, everybody met. And when the plane opened up the door and the team came down. Everybody got on their knees and they thanked God. And the president got up and he declared a national day of peace. And he said, we give the glory to God. This is a small nation that has almost, I mean, this nation doesn't even have the gross natural product that Texas does. But these people, every single one of them, honor God. You know what's happened in their healthcare system? Heart attacks are down. People are not dying of cancer anymore. So many different things are taking place within their system. You know why? Because they are acknowledging God. They say, God, we are unable to do these things, but we acknowledge that you are the author and the finisher of our faith. It is you that has called us. It's you that's imparted your wisdom to us. And I'm telling you something. There's been a drastic change. I know one of the, one of the chieftains of the island. He says to me, Ron, anytime you want to come here, he says, there's a villa for you. Free. You come live here. You come teach and speak to our nation. You come teach our people. I have a friend of mine who's taken and put in the internet over wireless over the whole island so the children can learn and be educated. 
because they acknowledge God. And we're a nation that's founded on principles of acknowledging God. Am I right or wrong? And so the wisdom of God here is, folks, listen to me. You want to see the power of God break through in your life? You want to see God do something drastic in your family? No, you don't? You have to start acknowledging God. See, the Bible says, in Him I move, I live, I have my being. What does it really mean? If I've offended you, I'm sorry. My heart is to encourage you to bring you to the truth. No matter what kind of religion you want to practice, nothing's going to happen until you get into the place of recognizing and acknowledging God as the author and the finish of your faith. The life, the epignosis, the wisdom of God, the wisdom that is in God and the wisdom that is God. When you start doing that in your life, things will change. You don't need a mass group of people to do it. You can do it individually. You can do it one at a time. You start acknowledging God and you start seeing doors open. You see opportunities come to you. You see that God will cause prosperity to come to you. He will cause blessing to be poured out upon you. And it's just through a simple process of acknowledging Him. Lord, without you, I can do nothing. Without you, I am nothing. We battle tremendously in this culture with a mind-blocking spirit because of what goes on in our media, what goes on in our education system, and what goes on around about us. We as Christians are under bombardment all the time about compromise because this is a culture where we sort of compromise. Oh, well, it's okay. It's fine. It doesn't affect me. It's going to be fine. It's not going to affect me. We're going to find. We need to start acknowledging God and let God pull those strongholds down because we can't do that. God has to do it. So if I can encourage you as a group of people, if there's one thing you can do in your own life, just go before Lord and say, Lord, I acknowledge you as the author and the finisher of the faith in my life, as the grace that you've called me to, as the ministry that you've called me for. When I go meet with businessmen and executives, I, I don't have the full education to help them, but you know what? I don't need it because all I need to do is ask God, what do you want to say to this man? <laughs> it's kind of profound when you ask God something and then he starts speaking to you. My first time I ever ministered to somebody, God showed me a green bottle. I thought, green bottle? Okay, next clue. Could I phone a friend? <laughs> Back in our country, spirits, alcohol spirits are packed in green bottles. So I knew, spirit of alcoholism. So I prayed for the man. Boom. I go up into Arkansas. I'm ministering in this church. I see this man in a suit. Call him up. I pray for him. I said, sir, I don't know what to say to you, but all I see in your life is chickens. whole church breaks out laughing. I'm standing there thinking, all right. That's not really an encouraging word of God, chickens. I said, what do you do? He says, uh, he says I am the executive chairman of Tyson Chicken Company. Okay. What, what do I know? It's like crazy. That is the wisdom that is in God. That is available to his saints, those who are called by his name. Nothing special about me. I'm just an average Joe. I don't go work out to try and build up my spiritual muscle. I just pray. I just stay in that place. I pray. God speaks. I listen. Sometimes I need to write things. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I need to do things. Sometimes I don't. Every time is different. But that's how God's called us, to live by faith. The just shall live by faith. That's what you need. You just need that epignosis, the wisdom that is in God to live.
And I know to some people, they say, well, that's too simple. No, that's really how simple it is. So, Lord, I pray tonight that you would just impart the epignosis. If you really want God to touch you with his wisdom, I just want you to put your hand on your heart while I'm praying. I'm just going to ask God to impart it to you. The epignosis, the wisdom that is in the Lord, the wisdom that is of God, the wisdom that is God in Jesus' name. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us today, Lord. Lord, if there's anything that is in our cultural mindset, is anything that's in our mind that causes us to uh, be blocked from receiving, today I break the power of that thing off the mind. I release the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I release the grace of God right now, Father. You said in your word that you have written your word on the hearts and the minds in the book of Hebrews of your saints. Today, Lord, I pray that you write your word. Ekri, you write your written word on their hearts today. And Father, confirm it in their minds in Jesus' name. Let them hear what the Spirit is saying and doing for this hour and this day. Let the epignosis, the wisdom that is of God, be upon them. Lord, give them revelation and understanding. Speak to them, Father. Speak to them in dreams, in visions. Speak to them in the quiet hours. Father, even speak to them in the midst of trials and tribulations, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Is it okay if I pray for a couple of people? Is it okay? Do you mind? Is there, is there any questions? No. Well, wow, that's good. So that 